0: Hey, I am Krista Wallace and welcome back to Learning to Serve. Today's podcast is launching a series specifically on outdoor learning and how that applies to our K-12 faith-based schools. I am crazy excited to introduce Maria Jose Fernandez. She goes by MJ and MJ is a powerful educator who lives in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. She has just launched a brand new business with outdoor education called Hummingbird Adventures, which we're going to hear more about. But this is an incredible young woman. Uh, She's in her late 20s and she's received her education degree from New York University and then just went on and finished her master's in education at Harvard. She has worked in a number of outdoor learning programs in the United States and just has big plans and big dreams for education in the Dominican Republic. I love this woman, and I know you're going to love Muddy Jose and her story, too. Hey, folks, and welcome back to Season 3 of Learning to Serve, the podcast that explores deeper learning in Christian schools. I'm Krista Wallace, host, editor, and producer of this podcast. Let's dive in. Okay, well, welcome, Maria Jose. We have Maria Jose Fernandez from Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And Maria Jose has started a brand new program called Hummingbird Adventures, specifically for K-12 students. And I am delighted to have you on today's podcast. So Maria Jose, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with outdoor education.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. So I got involved with outdoor ed without knowing it as a student, right? It, they never really called it outdoor ed, but I, I was lucky enough to go to Costa Rica and work with the sea turtles and got to do a ton of other like outdoor, what I now know as outdoor ed stuff when I was in high school in like a smaller scale. Um, and then I left, went off to college. Um, I went to NYU and studied secondary education and history. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I always knew I... Like, I at the time, I thought I wanted to be an international school teacher. I, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher that wasn't, like, in a traditional public school classroom. And So um, while I was working in New York City public schools, um, I actually had a student come in and be like, I can't believe that so-and-so is hasn't even started school yet. He's still, like, backpacking. And I'm like, and I was actively looking for a job at the time. It was my senior year. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, (laughs) yeah, they're like, yeah, he's going to the school. and like, they're going on this like 20 day backpacking trip, like the first two weeks of school. And I was like, what is the school called? And (laughs) this kid is like, I don't know, like mountain something. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Mountain something is not the correct answer. I need you to go out, figure out exactly what the name of this place is and come back. And so it's like, oh, the place called the High Mountain Institute. And that was the true moment of right, the, the opening of the paths um, <laughs> that was like, you are
0: now welcome to outdoor education. Okay. So just I, tell us a little, what, what is High Mountain Institute for, for those who don't know?
1: Yeah. So HMI or the High Mountain Institute is a school in Leadville, Colorado. They do semester programs. So it's kind of like study abroad, but for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And so kids come to us for a whole semester of their 11th grade year, wow. and we do two 20-day backpacking trips. So we spend, in one semester, we spend 40 days living oh, out God. of a backpack, which is wild. And so uh, depending on the semester, the trips are a little different, but the, I was there for the fall semester, and we did 20, literally two days after the kids got to school, we did a 20-day backpacking trip in the Sawatch Mountains in yeah. Colorado. Yeah. And then near November, we then did a 20-day backpacking trip to like Bears Ears National Monument area. So in the canyons in Utah. Wow, It was wild. And so I, I got to work there first as an apprentice. So I was a history apprentice. They have a brilliant apprenticeship program which was like my first form of like formal education in the world of outdoor ed. Mm -hmm. Um, which was amazing. I had actually never truly backpacked before. I had done a lot of hiking and like had done Mount Kilimanjaro and had done like some pretty big hikes, but had never lived out of a backpack. Yeah. Um, So that was amazing. And then I actually got, came back. So I left that Christmas, um, And I came back to HMI. So I left because my apprenticeship was over and got rehired that summer as a director of the summer program. Um, And that was an incredible experience. We got to basically the like programs coordinator who was in charge of everything that was not the semester. And I got to like completely redesign this program um, and turn it into like a whole new thing. And neither of us had ever seen the program actually in action because we had never worked the program, but we were like, this is gonna be awesome. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but in between those two, I actually went to C semester. So, C semester is again a semester program, but this time for college students. Um, I had actually done a C semester when I was in college, I did a C semester in Hawaii. Um, and my chief scientist for that trip called me and was like, hey, like, are you doing anything? Like, we're doing this trip to DR. We were wondering if like, you want to come with us? And I was like, uh-huh. uh huh, Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so I showed up um, and they sold me a trip to the Caribbean, but really I showed up to January in Massachusetts.
0: Oh, that is not fun to be on the ocean
1: that's <laughs> no, a very different experience so their campus SES campus is actually mass um, in a place called Woods Hole Massachusetts on the cape and okay. we do six weeks on the cape on campus like just front loading them with all of the information that you need and then we leave Massachusetts and head down to the Caribbean and
0: sail around for six okay. weeks okay you don't sail from Massachusetts
1: uh, not always so I have sailed from Massachusetts to Dominica
0: uh-huh.
1: um But I did that program in the spring, which is the January to April, weeks later
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, in the spring. Um, I did that program for three years, Um, but I also, I started as a teaching fellow, um, ended up being the history professor for one of their programs, got to help them design their gap year program. Um, And that gap year program, we got to sail from Cape Cod around Bermuda and all the way down to Dominica. And that was, that was incredible. That's
0: awesome.
1: Um, Yeah. And so along the way of all these trips, right, are you one of the, you know, benefits and downsides of outdoor education is that you're doing a lot of contract work. And so when a contract ends, now you have to find something else to do with your life. Yep. Um, hopefully they'll call you back. Um, and so through that, I also um, interviewed and worked with a number of other organizations, including Broadreach, um and EPI and a number of other places, and um, so I got a, a, to see so many aspects of the outdoor ed world because I was truly a teacher doing all of these things versus a lot of my friends were sailors who also were okay with teaching or mountaineers who were also okay with teaching,
0: um,
1: versus being a teacher who then is like, oh, I can learn these other skills. Um, and so that was incredible. Um, I was in the prime of my life. I had, you know, I had just, so this is now spring
0: 2019.
1: Mm -hmm. I, um, am working a contract Um, on the fourth Kramer, I'm doing that CCC trip that I, that was my third year. Um, I have now actually been hired to be chief scientist and first scientist for the upcoming three trips. Um, I have set um, two, I had three trips to Peru, guiding students through Peru with Broadreach that summer. I was like, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) I had just applied for a program at Harvard. Um, to study um, outdoor ed, also in this like specialized studies program, which I'll tell you a little bit more in a second. But I, it was like you know, MJ is thriving, <laughs> um, and then of course I think all of you know what happened uh, that spring, um, and suddenly uh, outdoor education and literally everything was like out the window, and so. I was on a US flagged vessel that was like, we don't know if they're gonna like close the border. Like, do do you wanna come? Do you not wanna come? The Dominican president at the time then puts out a declaration and says that every Dominican has 36 hours to figure out how to get back home. And then they're closing oh. the border. So I'm like-
0: hey. Oh my, but the what? airlines love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. It was lovely. Um, we had just quarantined on board for 14 days.
0: Yeah.
1: Wild experience, but like looking back on it, like also lovely. And along those 14 days was when I actually got my acceptance letter to Harvard.
0: Oh, my um, gosh. awesome. And
1: so because we were quarantined on the boat, we couldn't go to land and we have no service on the ship. And so we actually managed to sail the ship close enough to an island that we got enough service for me to be able to like connect to my email and like get a response (laughs) Um, and I I got accepted and so I got to do a program at Harvard which is called the specialized studies program where you basically get to design your own program and so it is it is meant for people who have these like really almost unconnected right to the naked eye things that are not related to each other um a a degree basically they ask you to have a degree that you cannot find absolutely anywhere else
0: yeah and so so you design
1: your own program and so I decided to do diversity equity and inclusion in outdoor education um throughout the five years um of working in outdoor ed I was usually the only person that looked like me in any of these spaces, the only Latina, the only Spanish speaker, the only foreigner, the only whatever, like pick a diversity checklist and I fit one of them every time. Um, and so I was like, these spaces, everybody deserves yeah. to be in
0: spaces. That's right.
1: Like everybody has, to. it's not even that they deserve it. It's like they, they have to. They they have to come out here and like understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did that, was really excited. Um, finished the program, it was incredible. I had the most brilliant professors and then uh, applied to get a job in the US, got my dream job in the um, Rocky Mountain School in Carbondale, mm-hmm. I was gonna be there diversity, equity, and inclusion director, it was like, yeah. again, MJ thriving. However, <laughs> uh, the universe had different plans, um, and my visa actually didn't come through, so it's a lottery, and I, my yep. number didn't get called,
0: yep.
1: and so I couldn't, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take the job, and at the same time, I was working at a school in Dominican Republic. I was also working as a coordinator for the Ministry of the Environment, Mm-hmm. in dr um and like i was doing all these things and my head of school um was like hey like please don't leave because i told her i was like i just got this job and called her on and she's like please don't leave what about if i were to give you this outdoor education program that you keep dreaming and talking about
0: And you're like tell me more <laughs> uh-huh well, okay uh-huh and
1: hummingbird adventures was born um i got to run a basically a first version of it um, a prototype of it uh, last spring um in spirit mountain yep um and so what and we are fully launching it this year so what it looks like is two whole weeks mm-hmm. of students camping out in the mountains of dominican republic while we do all of the academic work that would happen in school, but they're doing it in the mountains, they're doing it bonding with their friends, creating connections, spending time outdoors and like actually in a space where they can apply their learning Mm -hmm. functionally right away. So it's not a like, you're gonna use these angles someday or like you're gonna need to know frequencies at some point in your life. But like, this is why you need frequencies because now we're gonna identify birds.
0: Right, Right. exactly. Exactly. I mean, at, at its core, outdoor education is using the outdoors as a teaching tool. I mean, that's yep. if we just define it simply like that, we don't have to go far, far away to do outdoor education. We could just walk no. outside and do it out outdoors in our our yard or yep. our, the school patio or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: tell me a little bit more. You've got uh, in a couple of weeks, you've got seniors going to spend. Some time on our coffee farm at Spirit Mountain, Yep. which we're super excited about. And I was asking you about your curriculum, and you were telling me that that the teachers at the school where you work actually wrote the lessons. So I know this is this is kind of the the, the crunch point where people are like, well, what do we teach outside? <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious, what are you gonna, what are your seniors going to be studying? What kind of yeah. classes are they going to be doing while they're uh, outdoors? Yeah. So one of my
1: biggest, you know, non budge points, the thing that I was like, this needs to happen this way, um, was that the students needed to learn the same things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that the students. So it's, it's an optional trip. Not everybody has to go. And so some Mm -hmm. of the, a group of the students are going to stay in the city and a group of them are going to go to the mountains with me. And so I was like, the content that Mm -hmm. they learn must be the same. Okay. Because this are not two weeks missed of class. Right, it's just exactly. two weeks that they're doing class differently. Mm-hmm. And so the content needs to stay the same, but how we provide that content can change.
0: How you you teaching?
1: So, yeah. And so we're actually doing frequencies is actually a great example of it because it's one of the things that we're doing with um, the seniors because they are learning frequencies in math class right now in pre-calculus. Okay. Cool. And we are going to do frequencies On like with different sounds and have them measure and identify frequencies and we're going to do it with both um like organic and inorganic things so we're going to do it with like bells but also trying to identify different birds and how that changes how it works um the Spanish students are reading a book on a novel on like um blindness and we're actually gonna have them like try to like in a space that they don't know right like how do you understand a space if you're not seeing it because we're so dependent on our vision wow cool um yeah our our sociales which is like social studies in spanish so it's local history Mm -hmm. um they're learning about like uh demographics and population like what people in different parts of the island do and blah, blah blah And so we're actually gonna go down and interview people from the community near spirit. Um, and it's it's wild how one of my favorite things has been, um, so before every trip we sit down with all the teachers for that class, like for that grade. And we're like, okay, so like, what are you covering that week? And they're like, well, we were gonna do frequencies. And I was like, awesome, what if we do this, this or this? And so between me and the curriculum, um, a director for the school and all of the teachers. We basically like sit around a big table and start giving each other ideas of, oh, but what if we did like we use string to measure the distance of like an equilateral triangle and like whatever. And and mm-hmm. um, clearly, I'm not a math person. I don't really know how to. <laughs> You're a history teacher. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's been it's been super cool to see. Teachers get really excited about it, even the ones who at first were like, "I need to lesson plan two more weeks of this." Yeah, what yeah. do you mean? um it's been really cool to see them get like super jazzed about this and be like, "Wow, like we can do it, And I'm like, there's no PowerPoints, and there's no textbooks because I literally can't I don't have them. So right you need to figure out something else and and i I don't want to speak for them, but and I think it's almost refreshing to, mm-hmm. to kind of have to like put yourself outside of like the parameters that you already know
0: and design something outside of that. Right. It's teaching the same material, but just in a different format. Mm-hmm. Very low tech, <laughs> highly low tech, <laughs> super mm-hmm. low tech. Okay. So, Hummingbird Adventures is mm-hmm. the program within the school where you teach and you teach at mm-hmm. the American School of Santo Domingo, mm-hmm. which is also the school that I used to teach at, which is a fun connection. So exciting. Um, and so how long have you worked at American School? A year. Okay. This is my second year at ASSD. Okay. And this is the second semester that Hummingbird Adventures has been active at ASSD. So officially it is the first. Okay, so last spring was a pilot program? Yeah, basically. Okay. okay, so, okay, outdoor education, you spent a lot of years working in this, both as a teacher and in leadership in a lot of different contexts, backpacking semester at sea. Um, so in your perspective, you've worked with high school students, you've worked with middle school students, and you've worked with college students. Mm-hmm. What what's that? What's the power that you see in outdoor learning and outdoor education. What, what's the impact that this mo- mode of teaching and instruction has on you and on, and on your students?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think it all boils
1: down to two words, which are connection and responsibility. Um, I think that taking, we are in such a connected world in theory right? Like I am talking to you right now and you're in Colorado and I'm in DR.
0: Right. And
1: like we're having a great, and I text you all the time, right? Like you, we are talking to each other all absolutely all the time. Yeah. And, and as you know, I'm very bad at that aspect of like, like I'm like, I am not good. I was not meant to exist in a world where people expect me to like answer them. (laughs) Like I, I forget about it. Like I open a message and I don't see it again for three days. And so the problem is right that we have a sense of connection that in, in my opinion isn't real, right? Like we think that because we can talk to people so quickly that they're right there. But like, how often are you having true meaningful conversations with those people that you are so easily able to talk to?
0: That are in the same um, room with you.
1: Yeah. And so I think a lot about like my some of my best friends don't live in DR. Um, yeah. they live scattered all over the world and because I'm so bad at texting they don't even try and they call me you know once every couple months they'll call to make sure I'm alive and be like hey like where are you like that's one of one of them asks me every time it's like geographically in the world where are you right now Uh because I might be anywhere and they're like and so we sit down and talk for like three hours
0: yeah and
1: have like these true meaningful conversations because they don't expect me to have that, i can't answer a text and so they just don't even try it anymore um and i think that that connection right that non-instantaneous connection right is so important and because we have this ability to communicate with people so quickly we have we don't even realize how unconnected we are to the people around us um and so being in a space where you don't have access to the internet and when you you can't be texting people all the time or looking at other people's lives via the pictures that they post in the world and it gives you an opportunity to truly connect with the people around you it obviously gives you an opportunity to connect with the environment that you're in to actually notice the space that you're in to observe the space that you're in to like quietly sit down under a tree and like see the clouds move and change Mm. Um so like how often do we get to do that in like everyday life? Um, and ultimately like create a connection to the knowledge, right? Like create a connection to the academic content that you're looking at. And it's, I, I'm sure that you can ask any kid, like if, if we were to be able to like do a study and like teach a kid something in a classroom, and with a PowerPoint and like even with the most engaging of teachers and I'm not saying that like that traditional classroom teachers cannot be engaging I think I've been a traditional classroom teacher and I think they can be incredibly engaging And yes but I think if you ask somebody like okay like do you remember that versus do you remember when we learned about angles by like measuring like different branches on trees <laughs> if it nothing I was right like they might even remember it because like a bug fell on them and they were like oh my god and an ice cream and I was like okay you screamed but what were we doing that day and they were like oh we're measuring angles on trees because it, an equilateral triangle whatever yeah. um and I think that 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 connection to people to the environment and to your knowledge is is one of the most powerful things that that outdoor ed brings and I think in and it goes hand in hand with that other word responsibility right On ships, we talk about about ship, shipmate, self. So the order in which you take things, you take care of things in the world is ship, shipmate, self. And that's because if you're taking care of the ship, right, you're making sure that everything in the ship is okay, that means that you're going to be okay because your ship is okay.
0: Right. If you're taking care
1: of your shipmate and they're okay, that means that you're going to be okay because the people around you are okay right and then you take care of yourself and so if we're all doing that if that means that it's not that you're looking right you're not taking care of yourself everybody is taking care of you right so it creates this like sense of responsibility to the people around you to the community that you're in to the space that you're in right like we also talk a lot about like you can't take care of what you don't love Mm -hmm. and that's part of why we take kids outside right we you can tell a kid in a city, right? You can tell a kid that is like surrounded by concrete all the time. Like, no, trees are important. And they're like, yeah, trees are important. Right. But until they get to sit under a tree and watch the clouds move in front of them. Like they oh, for sure. don't have that like visceral connection to those trees.
0: It's, um, it's very true. We will never take care of something that we don't love. Mm-hmm. And how can we love it if we have not experienced it? If we haven't spent time mm-hmm. with it. The more yep. time we spend in something or with someone, the more we grow to love them. Yep. And then yep. the, the more naturally we're going to protect them. So if mm-hmm. our if our if our long-term goal as a school, as a, as a, is to help our students be caretakers of the earth, mm-hmm. well then we need to be spending a lot of time and you know, to enjoy it, to, to value yeah. it. Right. Yeah. It's so true.
1: Yeah. And I think so- that's it. it. It that's what it, that's what outdoor ed gives you. It's connection or respect. To so
0: how is that, how is this journey? Because you you grew up in Santo Domingo, you grew up in the Dominican Republic. Um, Outdoor Ed basically does not exist in the Dominican Republic. No. Um, how has this impacted you personally as you've kind of discovered this new path? How has it discovered you kind of personally and also as an educator? Yeah, I think
1: everything suddenly made sense. Mm. Okay. I- I think, and, and I, and when I, I still long to move back to Colorado. Yeah. And I think that the more I think about, I love Colorado. It's an amazing state, but I think the more I think about it, it's because that is the first time in my life that I felt like I belonged somewhere. Wow. Really? When I showed up to Colorado, it was like the first time that like everybody around me, was thinking in the same way, had the same priorities, was like, you know, like these incredible education community, like I had been in some brilliant education communities, like the Steinhardt School of Education at NYU is like one of the top education schools in the country, I had worked at some of the top education, at some of the top schools in New York, like the Beacon School, um, like I was like, I had been surrounded by brilliant educators, Yeah, but this was the first time where I was like, no, you get it. And like, I didn't even know that this is what I was thinking, but like, but like, that's it. Like what you're saying is exactly what I've been thinking all along. And wow. it, it, awesome. yeah. And I was like, it changed me in feeling more comfortable in everything I was doing because for the first time mm-hmm. I didn't feel like, I'm the weird one that does things like this or I'm the the one who's like pushing the boundaries in order to be able to do this Mm -hmm. but it was like no this is the expectation um because I think it gave me a ton of confidence as as a teacher it gave me a ton of confidence as a person um I was also able to get like all these incredible like leadership I'm 27 years old like I was 23 years old when I was like summer director in uh-huh. at HMI. I was a history professor at SEA by like 24. Um, it, it it is wild to me that um, that I was that I was able to like find all of these things and like and that's my best friend tells me all the time she's like I don't know how you stumbled upon what you were meant to do but it is so obvious that this is it
0: yeah
1: um that and I always knew I wanted to be I briefly wanted to be a vet when I was a kid Mm -hmm. um shortly thereafter found out like like third grade I was like I want to be a teacher um and I knew that and I went to school for that like I went to college to do that and I you know, and past the four-year mark when most teachers actually leave the education. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, that
0: when they've left and they're like, peace out.
1: Exactly. But this made it feel like truly sustainable. Like I love being in classrooms and I, I love kids. I, I think it's so fun to watch them learn and and I love it. But this feels like home. Like I, planning all of these trips has been really fun, but like I shine when you put me in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of teenagers oh, said, let's go you, you are speaking
0: effort. my language mj <laughs> i mean seriously remain from the same the same masa yeah <laughs> um and and not just i feel like in that wilderness environment in that getting them away from everything that's normal <clears throat> um there's not just a connection you talk about connection responsibility there is i feel like true community can begin to develop where there is interpersonal connection and intrapersonal between others. Um, You know, with, with all of our technology, we can, we can choose when we stop paying attention to somebody. We don't have to respond to that text. We can turn it off. But when you are living with, you know, 15 people and you're backpacking together for, you know, days on end, you're forced. You're forced mm-hmm. beyond your comfort zone to to learn how to communicate, uh, to to live in very close, smelly quarters with other people. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and try new things. And there's this beautiful growth that happens in inside. They go, I can push beyond what I ever thought mm-hmm. was possible. Right. Yeah. And then that's transferable to something else. Another challenge that they are facing, you know, and then yeah. they're going, well, if I could do this, well, then I'm looking ahead at this big challenge. So I could probably do that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like
1: hiking a mountain. You're like, I went up that mountain. I, I can, I can do anything at this point. Like-
0: <laughs> so, okay. So you have just launched hummingbird adventures, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> for all those who are listening and they're going, well, I could never do that. Uh, how could someone start an outdoor education program at their school? What are some what's some advice that you could offer uh, for them? Yeah, I think number one,
1: l- learn about these programs. like mm-hmm. read, 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 read about mm-hmm. them. At essence, they're all the same, but there are so many like beautiful differences between all of these programs that makes them like super unique. So like try to find which one of those spaces are the ones that play best um mm-hmm. with the space that you're working in mm-hmm. um talk to other outdoor educators i think most of us are like pretty weird people that are like <laughs> hey, cool with i mean right like i'm saying that about myself it's um, but it's people who like i mean Krista, the first time you and i talked we were like oh my god like we're besties now right like, like there's like, another person just like yes. that. <laughs> and I think that part of it is is that what you just said like we have figured out that like talking to human beings isn't that scary and like right. connection is awesome and so we are able to apply that in other spaces and so I think most of us are very open and passionate about what we're doing and so like we want to talk about it
0: yep. as you've might have
1: been able to tell by how much I have talked about it yep. um, and I think that that is big. Talk to other people, and also like I, I sense it like real hard. I was like, no, oh, no, we're gonna start this program for everybody, and it's gonna be two weeks in the mountains and fully academic,
0: not just an overnight. We're gonna try this out. Dip your toe exactly.
1: in. Yeah, we're not gonna do like oh, we're gonna do weekend trips. No, we're gonna go all <laughs> out. Most people. Okay, uh,
0: so so real Probably talk.
1: shouldn't do that.
0: You obviously your school was open to this, yes. Which is which is huge because a lot of schools would be like, no, this is too high risk. This doesn't fit into our education model, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So once you got buy in from your school leadership, how did you get buy in from your teachers? Because the teaching staff also has to. Yeah, I think a big part of it is that our school. I think
1: why it was so easy to get buy in from the school. It would you know, easy, but, uh, because this school, their philosophy is, like, let's try it,
0: yeah, that's awesome, let's
1: do the thing, let's, they're, like, they have a very modern outlook on education, they are, like, very excited for new things, and, and I remember in my interview with my head of school, awada she was, like, if you show us the evidence, we will do it, like you, like on anything, like if you have the, the evidence of like the pedagogical benefits of this, yeah. we will try it out. Um,
0: okay.
1: And so because that is the, the essence of the school, right? Because we have a makerspace and we have students, mm-hmm. like we have, we already have students doing things. We have every child at my school has to take chess <laughs> throughout elementary and middle school okay because of the benefits of chess to a child's development like that is the kind of school that I work at wow. um and so because I was lucky enough to find the space that also means that most of the people who work there have a similar philosophy mm-hmm. and and are feel the same way about things right and like yeah. a lot of them were just like pumped they were like can you take me can can I come and I was like sorry wow, that's awesome um, and so because because that is the essence of the school, I think it is the essence of the people who work for the school. Um, and I think a good amount of the parents have also been, like, pretty excited about it. Pretty excited about this thing that is, like, completely foreign to 99.9% of them um, to be like, yeah, take my kid. Let's go. And I'm like, what? It's um, awesome and 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 i think it's all because because the identity of the school is so centered on on trying things on learning in different ways and on like giving people ability like opportunities to learn in
0: different ways totally well that's that's how those doors have opened for you i mean really mm-hmm. cuz there's you know there's a lot of school leadership and 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 school cultures that are like nope not <laughs> Yeah. And I think
1: what I was going to say is like, I think the best way to start something like this is like do little things. Like, do like, oh, we're going to go outside and like look at, oh, right? You. Like, mm-hmm. butterflies. That's outdoor education. You, the backyard of your school is outdoor education. Indeed.
0: That's it right. just has
1: to be not inside your classroom. Anything Indeed. that is outside of that is outdoor education.
0: Using the outdoors as a teaching tool. That's mm-hmm. right. That's awesome. Okay. So, any last words of wisdom? For say we have a standalone teacher that's teaching middle school or it could be any grade level. Um, <laughs> what's something that you have learned that you're like, oh, I wish I had known this a year ago when I was starting Hummingbird Adventures? Yeah. A word of wisdom. Commit. Ooh. Ooh. Tell me more. I feel like
1: I, this, when I first introduced this to the parents, the first thing I said was like, this is a program that is six years in the making. And they're like, you've been here for a year. Um, and I was like, no, because I have dreamed about this program for six years. I knew the name of this six (laughs) years ago. I have a hummingbird tattooed on my arm. Like I know I, this was, this was shaped so long ago mm-hmm. um and i and it took literally having the when i first decided to do this when i first decided to design this and what asked me to do it it felt like i was like something i didn't want even though i had been dreaming for this for 6 years i was like convinced that I wanted to go to Colorado, which was true. And I didn't want that job, but I was like, this is not meant to be right now. Like, I don't want to do this right no. now. I'm not ready to do this right now. The country's not ready for it or you're whatever. Kidding. And you know, the universe said like, <laughs> good luck, like you, you're going to do it right now. And and I committed to it and I sent it and I write like I could have said doing weekend trips but I was like no like this is the program like this is the vision yeah this is what we're gonna do and like I'm gonna stand strong on the things that I know are non-negotiable for me and I'm gonna like talk to everybody on their mom about what hummingbird adventures is um and just like commit to this vision that you have and and that Commitment might look different to everybody, um, but like trust,
0: mm.
1: trust what you want,
0: yeah,
1: and trust that believe that, that what's happen. happening has to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Commit—that's a good word. So we're going to end on that. Maria Jose Fernandez, thank you. It has been an honor to have you on Learning to Serve podcast, and I am—I personally am just delighted to be able to. Walk with you on this journey, uh, this entrepreneurial, this educational entrepreneurial uh, effort. So, yes, best of luck to you. We are so lucky to have found you. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Learning to Serve podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please share this with someone and give us a five star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd like to invite you and your school to attend CDL6. This year's Christian Deeper Learning Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, on March 8th through 10th, 2023. To register and find out more, visit our website, christiandeeperlearning.org, and also sign up to get our regular blog posts. Remember this quote by Howard Hendricks, Christian education is like a bomb with a long fuse. Sometimes it takes a while to go off.